The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. And I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. Well, how are you doing this fair Friday, Miss Virginia? I am peachy. To quote one of my colleagues, I am peachy amid this disaster that is coronavirus and the world, you know, sort of trying to implode a little bit right now. So I need some good news. You know what? And we have some good news. We're going to be talking to the director of Disability Law Center herself. Colleen Miller. Ooh. And she's going to be uh, talking to us about why she's been gone for two months <laughs> at the General Assembly. Yeah, um, she's going to be talking to us. This is going to be a two-parter, and uh, this time around we are going to be talking about some of the um, really good stuff that happened for um, people with disabilities that is hopefully, maybe, probably, almost definitely going to be law in July. But before we jump into that, let's check out Disability in the News. Hello, my name is Terry Smith. I'm an administrative assistant at Disability Law Center of Virginia. Van Shoebrand is releasing an autism awareness collection featuring sensory inclusive shoes. The shoes are designed to be ultra comfortable with calming colors and accessible design features. Vans worked with the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Educational Standards to design these shoes to be inclusive for those all across the autism spectrum. Shoes come in all sizes from toddler to adult. Vans is committing to donate at least $100,000 to a group called A-Skate, an organization that offers free skateboarding clinics to those with disabilities. Find out more at disabilityscoop.com. Today we have with us the esteemed Colleen Miller. Thank you for coming. I am so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. Welcome back. Um, We had you on briefly before the General Assembly to talk about what that might look like, um, things that we were keeping our ear to the ground for. And now that it it seems like it's over, is the General Assembly over? You know, I think that's a great question. Uh, The General Assembly was supposed to end under our constitutional uh, guidelines, was supposed to end on March 7th, and it did not. Okay. Uh, The legislature had not completed its work on the budget at that point and had not completed its work on some really important uh, other legislation. So um, under the Constitution, they can extend the date of it uh, Uh, And they did. They took a two-thirds vote and decided to extend the session until March 12th. So we're recording this on the 13th. They ended the legislative session uh, the day before we recorded this. With the General Assembly finally, just just by a hair over... 
It sounds like we got a lot to talk about. We do. It was a very, very busy session for the legislature. There was a new uh, sense of leadership. A new uh, party was in control for the first time in 20 years. Um, and so all of the committees had new chair people uh, who had never uh, done this before. All of the subcommittees had new chair people. Um, and uh, the session, I think, got off to a really slow start as a result of the change in the leadership. And then it just went full blast. What were the what were the stats on that? So tell us a little bit sort of what was the work that they did this session? Sure. Um, over the course of the session, they considered almost 4,000 different pieces of uh uh, legislation that included uh, resolutions, and that's the kind of stuff where it's like uh, a resolution to treat March 13th as Virginia Ferris Day, <laughs> um, those kinds of uh, uh, resolutions. But then there were also resolutions to require studies to be done on certain things. So there was there was um, more than a thousand resolutions that they considered all by themselves, and then uh, another uh, 3,000 uh, bills that were introduced, um, and not all of them got committee hearings. Some of them just stayed in committee and died uh, at the point that they call crossover. Um, But they did vote on a lot of them, and uh, more than 2,000 bills actually passed the House and the Senate this year. That's a lot of bills. It's a lot of bills, and it's a lot of new things that people are going to have to adjust to. Just the changes to the minimum wage laws this year um, will be difficult for um, a lot of businesses to understand and comply with. And that's just one out of 4,000 bills. I know that I've been keeping up with the legislative highlights, and it seems that there was just like numbers on numbers on bills on bills every yeah. day. So, uh, yeah, they were they were quite busy and doing a lot of work. So they good for them. absolutely were. They absolutely were. So I, I think our idea today, just because a lot of this is so big, um, this is going to be a two-parter today. Great. That is um, great. Following up on the General Assembly, um, today we're going to sort of dive into the things that make us feel good and make us happy, because we're recording on a Friday, and I need that. Um, <laughs> And uh, the next time we're going to come back and talk about some of the things that we want to keep working on, keep advocating for, and really just boost that signal. That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. Where would you like to start? Oh, boy. Well, you mentioned uh, minimum wage, so maybe we should start up in there. Minimum wage is... um, it's an interesting bill for us because um, you would not think that that would have a whole lot to do with disability mm-hmm. rights. But there's a there's language in our code right now that says that you can pay less than minimum wage to people with physical deficiencies is the language that we use in, in the Virginia Code. Hey. And uh, advocates have long considered that to be very icky. And yeah, I think okay. that's the technical term for it, icky. Mm. Um, mm. So... Although the Minimum Wage Act doesn't do everything we would have hoped to promote full employment for people with disabilities, it does at least take that icky language out. Hey, that's good news. That is good news. <laughs> that's great news. It does. Do. We're very, you know, we, we are, I think, part of the, I mean, I think the legislative process is always slow. So it's always good to see this evolution. It is. It not is. keeping language from, I don't know. 82. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's being generous, right? It's really interesting. <laughs> a year, okay? It's really interesting to think about how legislation develops. You might recall that last uh, summer and last fall, there was a series of articles in the Richmond Times-Dispatch about guardianship abuses. Mm-hmm. 
there was a, a one particular guardian in uh, Richmond who was counsel for the VCU health systems, would represent VCU health systems in guardianship actions, and would have himself appointed as guardian. And uh, would then um, just remain guardian long enough to transfer the person out of the hospital. Once the person was out of the hospital, he would dissolve the guardianship. Sometimes, sometimes by uh, concluding the guardianship by threatening that if the person went back to the hospital again, he would become their guardian again. That, that seems... It was... Super villainy. Yeah. It, was, it was not a good situation, and we were really grateful to our friends at the Times-Dispatch for exposing this. Um, and the legislature responded to that, responded to the series of articles by passing a bill this year that would restrict somebody from being both the petitioner's counsel and the guardian. Um, no. seems, seems like that would have been covered by the attorney's uh, conflicts of interest rules anyway, but... Um, it's now part of the law. Excellent. So that was a very good uh, development as far as guardianship issues. What about another much-requested topic, um, special education and stuff with disability in the schools? Some really nice developments in special education this year. Um, our friends over at the Arc of Virginia have for years been pushing that uh, individualized education plans should include training on um, on. Um, social interactions and sex ed for people at their developmental levels. Mm -hmm. And uh, schools have been resistant to anything like that. This year, the legislation went through and has already been signed by the governor that uh, IEPs must consider um, sex education materials that are appropriate to the person's um, developmental levels. It's really great uh, effort on that one. Yeah. Our friends over at the Legal Aid uh, Society um, got some great bills through protecting students with behavioral issues in schools um, from being charged with disorderly conduct. Um, mm -hmm. it's, we've seen that for a lot of um, uh, kids with uh, mental health issues and behavioral issues that if they are acting on their disability, they can end up with a criminal charge. And um, the legislature this year removed that possibility that if it's happening in conjunction with any kind of school conduct, the school is not permitted to bring a charge of disorderly conduct. Um, the, we've also seen some good legislation this year to require better training on dealing with kids with disabilities for the school resource officers. And that's been a, that's been a real um, serious um, concern for us because school resource officers can sometimes approach our constituents, our children, um, as though they're criminals. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and um, they're now going to get de-escalation training <laughs> and, um, uh, and on dealing with kids with uh, behavioral disabilities. That's, that's wonderful because I know that we have seen just sort of over and over in the news instances where kids were getting hurt, kids were like yeah. picking up charges and... That's right, that's, that's right. Yeah, and, and these kinds of things disproportionately affect kids with disabilities and minority children. Right. So um, really important that the legislature took these kind of actions this year. And yeah. we're looking forward to seeing that they, uh, they take effect in the next school year. Yeah, yeah that's super important. Again, like I, I know Virginia's been pushing for law enforcement officers to be trained in crisis intervention training, so it makes perfect sense that they would want to continue training de-escalation right. for kids in schools who, you know, are there to 
That's learn right. things. That's right. We did see some good legislation around uh, mental health issues on uh, uh, first responders being trained in what's called mental health first aid. Oh, mm-hmm. um, and I guess mental health first aid is a specific curriculum. So the language actually says mental health first aid or a similar curriculum. Yeah, it, I've been trained in it before. It's a yeah. very specific about sort of being able to identify, you know, is it a mental health crisis, kind right. of knowing basic de- de-escalation and how to inform them proper emergency folks to be able to respond. Right. So we were, we were happy to see that that legislation went through. And I think each year the legislature extends that just a little bit further and requires more and more people uh, to have that kind of training. So I think that that is, uh, you know, eventually it's going to be a really good thing. It's going to take a while for it to have effect, but it's a very good thing. So I know that a couple weeks ago, uh, we did a episode regarding voting rights to prepare for the primaries. So do we have any really cool voting rights stuff? We have a lot of great developments in voting rights. Um, For one thing, the legislature has changed the requirements around absentee ballots. Um, It used to be that um, if you were requesting to vote absentee because of a disability, you had to specify, first of all, what disability. And there were times uh, when we saw um, local registrars decide that wasn't a good enough excuse and turn it down because they didn't think that was enough of a disability. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was icky. It was icky. We we fought those when we learned about them, but often we did not learn about them until um, the the opportunity to vote had yeah. passed. Um, this year, the legislature has uh, created absentee voting for no excuse whatsoever. And so you don't have to have any good reason. You can just say you want to vote absentee because you want to. Excellent. Um, so yeah. that'll that'll be great for our, uh, our constituents. Um, uh, they also have eliminated the really oppressive uh, voter identification requirements mm. that were passed in recent years. And it, although it seems like that shouldn't be such a hard thing to comply with because we, we have a driver's license mm. in our pocket, um, not all people with disabilities can access uh, identification like that. We Especially we work with uh, folks in some remote locations in um, assisted living facilities, for example, that can't easily get into a DMV to get a, an identification card. So the voter ID requirements were really um, shutting out people with uh, these complicated uh, issues that prevented them from getting an ID. Mm-hmm. The The legislature has changed the voter identification requirements now, and um, you can you can use a utility bill, you can use an expired driver's license, you can use um, all sorts of different um, identifications now to prove you are who you are. And if you don't have any of those things, you can just simply sign an affidavit and say, this is who I am. And if you sign it under penalty of perjury, you get to vote. Excellent. Yep. So that's, it's really great for our clients. Um, And then they've also uh, made it a whole lot easier for everybody, including people with disabilities, to be able to register to vote. So that'll help. Are there any other areas of our community that we've really seen uh, great changes in terms of, um, you know, in this legislative session to help them out? Well, I think there's been some really wonderful developments uh, with respect to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, In particular, the legislature extended the requirement for uh, insurance coverage for conditions related to autism. Um, And um, they refer to this as sort of like the last, uh, the last hill. Um, over the recent years, they've had cover- insurance coverage for autism for um, large 
health insurance markets. They've had coverage for um, younger age children with disability uh, with autism, um, and this one um, just kind of closes the last gap. It's even for the small insurance markets, and um, it's for um, ages into adult. That's excellent. I know that transition period can be really difficult um, to to find supports, and that I know that's a question that we've gotten a lot when people have called us. So. That's right. That's right. Um, we were also pleased to see that uh, the Department of Behavioral Health was promoting legislation uh, that would enable them to do mortality reviews, um, and that uh, that is something that you know we kind of think here of as. Uh, kind of a no-brainer, that they should be able to examine uh, the cause of death for somebody who's been in a facility that's licensed or operated by the state. Um, But they have, the department feels like they haven't had the authority to do that. So they do go, they did go to the legislature to get that authority and um, the legislature gave it to them. Yeah, a a little bit of a of a sad thing to be excited about, but... It is a sad thing, except it's really critical that we learn from uh, incidents that affect people, um, and um, we would hope that they could also be studying uh, medical crises um, Mm -hmm. and uh, incidents that don't necessarily result in death, but still are incidents that we could be learning from. Yeah, so a good first step. Yes, absolutely. Um, And we also saw uh, some some good legislation regarding people with developmental disabilities who are in the correctional system. Mm. Um, Delegate Patrick Hope sponsored some legislation uh, to require the Department of Corrections to develop guidelines for dealing with inmates um, with intellectual disabilities, Mm. intellectual and developmental disabilities. Unfortunately, we see far too many um, uh, people with developmental disabilities in the correctional system. Um, and um, the correctional system is clearly not uh, equipped to deal with the the different um, kinds of demands that those inmates place on the system. So very glad to see that that is going to begin as a development process. Yeah, and I mean, again, kind of connecting it to a previous topic, I know that's for adult adult, uh, corrections, but again, this idea about reducing children getting charged with disorderly conduct keeps them out of facilities that really aren't equipped to manage that's them right. or to, to that's support right. them. Yeah, we see, unfortunately, uh, people with autism who end up in jail, who end up in uh, psychiatric facilities, and um, these are not appropriate places for them. Um, and so it's, a, it's a, a battle that we have ahead of us, but it's somewhat hopeful that at least the Department of Corrections is going to develop some uh, guidelines for how to respond. So for anybody interested in learning more about um, sort of the, the recently passed bills that we talked about, if people want to read them in their entirety, um, where would they go to do that? So there's a couple of ways that they can access those. First of all, on our website, we have a section called Legislative Highlights. Mm-hmm. And the the issues that were before the legislature that we were tracking, and we tracked about 50 or 60 different bills this year, the ones that we were tracking are covered by subject matter in our legislative highlights. So you can open up a legislative highlight on guardianship, and there will be a hot link to the bills mm-hmm. that we're talking about there. You can So that's one way you can access it. You can also go to the legislative services um, website. It's a little harder to use, um, but if you know a specific bill number that you want to uh, follow, you can click on bills and resolutions and, and type that in. There's a tool that's available on legislative services called Lobbyist in a Box. Mm. 
and it's available to anybody. Um, and you can track up to five bills on that. And you can do word searches there. So say that you want to find out about mandatory outpatient treatment. Um, you can click that phrase, you can type that phrase in, and it'll show you the bills that dealt with that. And you can uh, track up to five of them that way. And have these bills already gone into effect? Are they already the law of the land? The, the place where we are in the process right now is that the session ended yesterday, and the bills that were concluded this week are uh, being sent now to the governor to be reviewed. And the governor and the attorney general can make some changes in it if there's, um, you know, typically they'll make technical changes if something is not worded exactly right or something. The governor can uh, approve it, can veto it, and can amend it. And when the legislature reconvenes in April, on April 22nd, they can decide whether to accept the changes that the governor is recommending. Um, unless there's been an emergency clause added to it, the bill will not become effective until July 1. There are some things that are considered to be emergencies and become effective as soon as the governor uh, signs it. But none of the bills we were tracking are emergency legislation. Well, it sounds like we had a pretty good legislative session this go-around. You know, it was a very good session. Um, there's a lot of work to do in the coming year, and uh, I look forward to talking to you all about things that we can be doing uh, to prepare for the next legislative session. Well, thank you again, Colleen. We'll be chatting with you pretty soon, I think. Okay, great. Thanks. And now for a DLCV highlight. A parent called Disability Law Center of Virginia because her child, who is visually impaired, was not receiving the appropriate assistive technology in the classroom. The child could not participate in class because teachers were not modifying materials or using her assistive technology correctly. Disability Law Center of Virginia worked with the family to ensure that the assistive technology was being used correctly, and we consulted with other agencies to ensure that the child's vision needs were being met in the classroom. As a result of Disability Law Center of Virginia's advocacy, this child is not just sitting in her classroom as she was before, but she is participating fully in her classes. So that was Colleen Miller, who was excellent as always. I feel better about some things in the world and the commonwealth we live in. Yeah, we learned about a bunch of different stuff uh, that's going to really benefit people with disabilities. I'm really excited for some of that legislation to go through and to see how it improves lives. It's yeah, pretty cool stuff. And make sure you guys are subscribed so you get um, part two, which we will be putting out real soon. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now. Brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Virginia Ferris. And I'm Ren Fazuski. And this has been Rights Here, Rights Now. Rights now.